Bay Hills Community Church is pleased to have you join us as we continue our series, Old School. In this series, the idea is to catch glimpses of truth in the Old Testament which can be applied to our lives. Today, we look at the story of Jonah through the life and eyes of a modern-day Jonah, missionary Kelly Kosky. Kelly serves in the former Republic of Transkei in Africa and is supported by Bay Hills Community Church. Join us today as Kelly shares his life story and ministry with us. Cool. Cool. Gosh. Thank you, everybody. Gosh, I just... Uh, am I live? Okay. And uh, Joy, thank you for... Uh, is it El Sobriety? What is, what is the name of the sound? I couldn't... He, had, he threw so many at me, I couldn't, El sobriety. But it's so good to be here and see everybody. You all look so clean and nice and wearing shoes. And some of you have taken baths and some of you I'll talk to later. And, and some of you have a problem. But it's uh, just really good to be here. Are these cards that are in your bulletin? Uh, does everybody have one of these cards, by the way? Does anyone not have a card? I'm going to talk about them in a second. Is If you want to keep track of the weird things we're doing, God's doing in Africa, you can fill it out and they'll collect those at the end of the service or you can mail them in. But also if you have to rush off to the football game or your fantasy football, whatever, you can write a note on the back, uh, whether it's a word from the Lord, a word of encouragement, a question or telling me my zipper's down or something. Put it on the back (laughs) and uh, they'll collect those. Thank you. And uh, also... I want to mention about tonight at 5 o'clock, it'll be mentioned later as well, that we're going to have kind of a part two of this morning's message or more of a Q&A or a gathering at 5 o'clock at the old church building and maybe some snacks. And so uh, that way I get to meet you more one-on-one. So that'd be really, really, really cool. How many have never heard me share or I may have heard me share before? Oh, there's a couple. Okay. Well, gosh. Um, a lot of people say I look like Brad Pitt, but uh, my, unfortunately, my wife says Danny DeVito, and and so uh, I uh, am just Kelly Kosky, a small potato guy in Africa. I'm in the Repu- former Republic of Transkei, working with the Kosa people. Everybody say Kosa. Very cool. Some of you adventures did it better than others, but yeah, the click is there. But anyway, we work in the former Republic of Transkei, and uh, been, we have a 40-year commitment, and I've only been there 25 years, and uh, but I'll be sharing more about that. Uh, also, I had my leg, I lost my leg on the mission field last year, so uh, among many other things that happened over the last uh, couple of decades. So I might share more of that tonight. I don't know if anybody wants to hear about the gruesome tales of the mission field, but we'll do it our best. My wife told me to greet everybody for her. Unfortunately, we didn't have enough funds for her to fly out here and be part of the church, but uh, she wishes she could. My wife is the most godly person I've ever met in my life, and really, seriously. And uh, my wife is my hero. I know that's not real macho, but uh, she really is. So... Uh, but also, before I begin, I want to thank you guys for two reasons. One, 
I want to thank you guys. You may or may not know it. If you're a visitor, you may not know it. But the church here has been part of the mission in Africa for years. And so what God's doing in Africa is as much you folks as it is me. So I just want to thank you for standing with us. Sometimes when we couldn't stand, we couldn't go on and uh, believing in what we're doing, reaching the unreached. I just want to thank you as a church. I also want to thank you not just for sharing your support, but for sharing your pastor. You know, it's, it's just, he's just, just awesome when he came down earlier this year, I guess it was. Yeah, it was this year. And he was such an impact. You know, and for you guys to share the best, that's really cool. Normally a church would send that troublemaker back there, old Charlie. Let's send him to Africa, you know. Send him one way maybe, I don't know. But, you know, but you guys sent your best and he was a great blessing. I want to thank you for that. My hidden agenda today is to recruit laborers for the harvest field. I'm just believing that there might be one or two of you here that might be called to reach the lost in Africa. And that would be awesome. I just trust the Lord to it. I'm going to be sharing from an African perspective this morning. But I want to apologize because if I come across like if you're less of a Christian, if you're not going to Africa, it's not. I don't believe so. If you, matter of fact, if y'all came to Africa, you'd really screw things up. So, so, but maybe there's a few of you that are called, and that would be so awesome. So I just, uh, but I believe we're all called to be part of reaching the lost, whether it's across the street, across town, across the country, across the world. So, um, um, normally we do services. We start at, Dave probably shared with you, we start at sunset and we go all the way till sunrise. We don't even start preaching till midnight. And then we take three hours off and we go into the day. So uh, my understanding is I have till sunset today to share this message. So, no? Okay. What I'm going to do, <clears throat> warn you guys, the thing, uh, you know, being new to so many of you, everybody's wondering, you know, can he run? Is he fun? Who's his son? What's he done? All this other stuff. So I'm going to share my testimony really briefly in two minutes share about how the Lord turned our life upside down, brought us to Africa. And, uh, and then uh, share what the Lord's doing in Africa. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for allowing us into your living room that uh, we have life today. I just pray that you'd protect me from myself, that you and you alone would be glorified, that you would speak to an individual, or those who give us special message for today, do that. We pray in your wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, my testimony. My testimony in two minutes is: I was born at a young age, <laughs> and uh, well, really, I was really born to a Jewish home. Both my parents were Jewish. I was. Uh, Matter of fact, my grandfather is a rabbi, and uh, I was bar mitzvah at 13, went through all the years of Hebrew school, and is there a Jewish, I don't see a big nose over there, oh, okay, oh, you work for a Jewish company, ah, oh, muzzle tough, uh, and uh, anyway, I went, and after bar mitzvah, I went off into the world, and I got into trouble, I went and partied, and drinking, and drugs, and it's kind of like drugs never bothered me, or me, or me, or me. But it had its effect. But uh, praise the Lord, he set me free. Went through 
Many years of uh, university, I have seven university degrees, never knew the Lord. Finally, uh, after law school and a few other things I did, I ended up uh, being a, a CPA in, uh, owning a CPA corporation in Montana and um, a, a financial advisor to the governor. And so in that, I never knew the Lord. And, and so I, I finally I met a, uh, a Christian. And there's uh, probably other Christians, but I was really turned off to Christians because, you know, they always yell at you when they, they tear, share the Lord. They, they yell and then they spit. I don't know why they come two inches from my face and yell and spit. I don't know if you ever had that experience. It's a terrible experience. So I was totally turned off by Christians. But I was always curious about what you Christians believe, you know, as far as, you know, do I have to kill my old man? Do I have to be washed in blood and all this other gory stuff I thought was kind of cool then? And so, so, so he shared the gospel, and then he shared something that was really uh, just changed my life. He said, salvation's a free gift. Well, as soon as you said free to a Jewish boy, duh, <laughs> of course I took it. It's free. We take anything that's free. That's why we live at Costco's, you know. It's kind of like, uh, so we don't have to go to restaurants. So uh, I got saved on a freebie. If it had been double coupon day, I would have gotten saved twice. But um, anyway, I was saved. I, and I knew Jesus Christ, uh, Jesus the Savior. But it was many years later that I came to know the Lord Jesus. And I don't have time this morning to share on that. I'd love to. But other than that, I knew Jesus uh, as somebody that's going to help me in my life, bless my business, bless my family, bless, uh, you know, heal my finances, my ingrown toenail, whatever. And, but I never realized I had to live for him. I didn't read the small print. And uh, in, I was, once you realize you have to live for him, he's calling you to a lot bigger thing. You can no longer live for yourself. And in Jonah, chapter 1, verse, uh, first three verses, basically Jonah, the uh, Lord comes to Jonah and says, Jonah, you know, hey, dude, you know, leave Tarsus. It's a really cool, you know, coastal community. It's, you know, you know and, and go to a far-off, ugly place, terrible people, wicked people in Tarsus. And, and, and Jonah didn't want to do that. He just wanted to stay into the seaside community of Tarsus, you know. And that was his ministry, kind of like, like being called to Hawaii, you know, what do you do, go around the beach and tell people to turn or burn or uh, anoint them with oil? I don't know what you do in Hawaii, but, you know, he is called to something beyond the coastal community up to this evil place called uh, Nineveh. And uh, he said, no. And that's what I said. When the Lord started calling me and showing me the loss of the world, I said, I don't think so. You know, and I had a lot going for me up in the Rockies where we lived and northwestern Montana, and the Lord, more and more, as I read the word, as I prayed, as I, every time I see missions, see the lost, and, uh, and I felt the Lord is calling me to missions, and, uh, but I was like Jonah, I was wrestling with the Lord, and wrestling with the Lord is like wrestling with a sumo wrestler, you know, you, it's all over you, you end up in an armpit, and, you know, you lose, you know, and I lost to God, you know, and I had all these excuses. And uh, Lord, you know, I'm, 
have all this education. I've worked really hard to get to where I'm at, certificates, credentials, and so on. And the Lord said, don't let your education ruin your life. And many of you here have worked really hard to get the background to function in life. Your degrees, your certificates, your licenses. And the Lord's saying, that's cool, but don't let that ruin the second half of your life. And then I said, Lord, I have all these... um, on the board of directors of all these uh, corporations and businesses I'm involved with and have my own CPA corporation. And the Lord said, don't let your business, your job, ruin the second half of your life. And some of you here have worked really hard to get to the place of where you're at in your job. But if God's calling you to something else, don't let that ruin your life. Yeah, you made some good choices or bad choices. But if God's calling you to something more. And finally, in... uh, Jonah chapter 3, he says, yes, I'll go. Finally, I just go, okay, Lord, you know, the sumo wrestler wins. I said, I'll go wherever. But I hope it's not, you know, that place. But the problem we had is, (laughs) I'll go, but what about my wife? You know, there's no way. And I say, honey, we're going to Bangladesh or somewhere else. And, uh. I don't know if she'd really get excited about that. And uh, so I didn't say anything to her. I didn't put little tracks on the toilet seat or magazines on the coffee table. I didn't do that. And or play tapes in the car about reaching the lost. I just didn't do it. I just prayed. Then nine months later, we're going back home one evening in a snowstorm north of Kalispell and uh, back to our, where we lived. And... Uh, as we're going through this whiteout snowstorm, my wife started convulsively crying. And she, I just go, what's the matter? She goes, Kelly, could you pull over? There's something I need to confess. I go, oh, man, is she running away with the mailman or National Enquirer? Is this going to be front page? Or, you know, some young cowboy is taking her off to Billings or something. And so uh, should I pull over or not? So I pull over and I hold on the steering wheel. And I said, what is it? And she crying, you know, with that mask or whatever, the runny nose. And she goes, Kelly, I believe we're called to reach the lost of this world. I go, oh, really? Like missions? And she goes, yes, yes, missions. I go, okay, I am up for it, but if it doesn't work out, it's your fault, you know? (laughs) And so under that, we're on the same page. We're being called to missions. And so we applied at 52 mission organizations, and they all turned us down. We're too old, too many kids, whatever. And uh, we have, gosh, we have six kids now so far, no more. Uh, matter of fact, our, our last kid was born in Africa, and uh, she's, you know, she calls herself an African-American. And she looks like a little marshmallow, and I go, you're not an African-American. Yes, I am, you know. I'm born in Africa, and I'm American. Anyway. Anyway, we, we had too many kids. Got off there, didn't I? We, uh, you know, nobody wanted us. 52 mission organizations all turned us down. No theological training to make kids, whatever. Too old. We were 33 or th- mid-30s at the time. Gosh, I'm only 29 now, so it's hard to figure out. But nobody wanted us. And so we just go... How is God going to find us in Montana? I mean, really, how can you find anybody in Montana? 
People go there not to be found. But uh, so all of a sudden, around two months later, we get a call from the Canadian Center of World Missions of all places and said, Kelly, we hear you're thinking about becoming a missionary. And we go, yeah, yeah, we are. And you go, well, do you know where? And I said, well, probably Mexico, maybe South America, but probably Mexico. And they go, well, why Mexico? And I go, well, I like Mexican food. <laughs> and the guy said, is that the only reason? Go, yeah, it is. So? And he goes, oh. of course, he thought it was a real Philistine. And so he says, what do you think about the trans sky? I go, was that some airlines? I didn't know what it was. He goes, it's this country of around 5 million people, and they only have a handful of missionaries. And it's 85% people have never heard the name Jesus. And I go, it's, it's in Africa, isn't it? Okay, yeah. Do they have Mexican food there? <laughs> he goes, no, but there's great need. And I go, I don't, th- I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll pray about it. And that was my mistake. Don't pray about anything unless you want God to speak to you. And the more I prayed about it, and the Lord said, you said anywhere, and you know, you do it all. And I just go, oh, okay. So I go, okay, Lord, I know this is a mistake. It's kind of like, you know, you guys probably heard about the attempted murder of Ike Abramson. You guys didn't? It's Genesis 22. Kind of work with me, group. Abraham took his son Ike up onto Mount Moriah to sacrifice him. You guys didn't hear about Isaac and... Okay, well, he basically went to, he said one thing to sacrifice, and the Lord pulled the carpet last minute and said, oh, just fooling, you know, and I was hoping the Lord was just fooling with me, and kind of like is going to pull the carpet and say, I just want to see if you'd really go to Africa. So I was hoping it was a big mistake, kind of a test, that maybe I'd pass. So I went to Africa to prove God wrong, and I went there for 30 days, and uh, three things that were just so amazing that changed my life. Did a, just a, a supersize my faith. And uh, uh, two things is basically, I won't get into it now, maybe tonight. But we saw two miracles. I saw two miracles. And I didn't believe in miracles. I've never seen a miracle. If somebody talked about it, I would not believe them. I'd write them off. But I saw it firsthand and it just, my faith meter went off the charts. And uh, also I saw three to 500 people come to Christ. Uh, within 30 days. We've seen bigger numbers since then, but being from Montana, from the mud puddle Montana, this is awesome. So I come back to Af- uh, back to Montana, and I tell my wife, I go, guess what? And she goes, we're going to Africa. I said, yes. So we moved to Africa. We had five kids back then, and uh, came there, and uh, we just started going around. Now, you have to realize it's very tribal. It's villages, and we didn't have electricity for the first 10 years or, or water. We collected water off the roof. We never had paved roads or anything that you take for granted or telephones. And uh, we'd just basically go out and share John 3.16. And people get saved. We just, uh, you know, they're so ripe. And I was going to one church, uh, excuse me, I was going to one location with a visiting pastor once, and he says, Kelly, what do you share? And I said, John 3.16. He goes, is that all you share? And I go, no, it's not all I share. I have five sermons. He goes, you only have five sermons. And I go, yeah, three of them I've stolen. 
He goes, you steal sermons? I go, they're my best ones. And it's true. I do steal sermons. I don't apologize. for. If I hear your Pastor Dave share a dynamic message, I'll share it. If it's from the Lord, I, you know, sue me, I guess, if he has to copyright his messages now. You know, I steal sermons. I'm going to confess it, and you can withhold your support from here on. But I steal uh, sermons because I'm not a real original guy. And uh, so he thought as a spiritual midget, he shared a dynamic message that night around midnight. No response. And I got up and shared John 3.16, and 100 people came to Christ. And so I say that to you because some of you will use as an excuse, you know, I can't preach, you know, I am, am nobody. And I'm saying that if you have John 3.16, you can. And through the, you know, over time, over the years, we go to more and more village. We've started at least 470 churches that we know of. And, uh, but that's pale compared to the tens of thousands of villages that are yet to be reached. We're just scratching the surface. But, you know, you have all these leaders. What are you going to do with them? So uh, around 15 years ago, we started a Bible college. And, you know, like our churches, our Bible college, they're all in Alsa. And this is where you folks came in with sharing Dave at our Bible college. It was awesome. I got you guys... I would have recorded it if we had electricity, but now we did have electricity. But he was awesome there. So we started a Bible college, and we're doing all this stuff, and we're seeing chiefs get sa- tribal chiefs get saved. We're seeing warriors get saved. We're seeing uh, witch doctors. We're seeing all of this stuff, and God's doing it in spite of me. And uh, uh, at this point, why don't we show a, a sh- short little three-minute video Wow, it's uh, <laughs> it's hard to put 25 years of your life into a three-minute video. I, but, you know, these aren't two-dimensional people. They're three-dimensional lives that I live with every day. And uh, this is my world I'm sharing with you. And I want to invite you to come into my world, to come into the bottom of the globe, to reach the unreached. And I believe that some of you are, not all, but you're all called to be part of it. And you might say, what would I do there? If you were to go down, you know, what could, how could God use me? Well, do you have John 3.16? Do you have a Bible? We have churches with no Bibles. We've run out of Bibles. And, and by the way, we do have Bibles in the language, the also language. We've run out of Bibles way back at the end of March. So we don't even have any Bibles to give out with the churches we're starting. So we, matter of fact, we'll go to a village and we might, uh, on Monday or Tuesday, we might give them Genesis. We take a knife and slide the spine of the Bible. The next village that we go to might get Mark or something else. So you guys have Bibles. You get more gospel on the radio in five minutes than we would get in ten years. You have the word. And I mean no disrespect to you. It's an honor being here. But church, you're pretty fat on the word of God. Are you living out the message that Dave shared three weeks ago? And you're going to get another message next week and next week. And you just get fuller and fuller and fatter and fatter in the word of God. And what are you doing with it? Are you sharing it? Once again, 
maybe across the street, across town, across the globe. But you have what my people are dying for. The government will pay us $7 for every school we reach, government school with the gospel. And we're not hardly doing it because we don't have the manpower. And it is good news. We, uh, some of you might have some medical training or been a medic in the army or been a nurse or something. Uh, I have nothing, and I stitch people up with dental floss. I pull teeth with channel locks because we don't have doctors or dentists. And uh, it used to be the greatest pastime in South Africa, Southern Africa, was uh, soccer. It's no longer soccer. It's funerals. And I do like seven, nine funerals a day sometimes. And the biggest killer is HIV AIDS, the pandemic. And uh, 10 years ago, we got tired of burying people. So we started a hospital. And last year, our hospital saw 78,000 people that are afflicted with HIV or AIDS. And we couldn't be doing it if it wasn't for you. But as you'd come down there, and one out of every five babies never sees childhood. They die of diarrhea or dysentery. And I could teach you and say, just teach them how to boil water, add sugar and salt. They don't need to be burying their, they're putting their babies in the ground, burying them. Because you have the answer. I can get, like you saw leprosy. We have the medicine of these people with leprosy you see on the screen. But who's going to reach all these unreached villages with the medicine? We have the cure. We have the word. But we don't have the workers. The harvest is ripe. But the labors are few. The harvest is white in the harvest. People are dying on the vine as I stand here today. And... uh I came here to ask the church to send out laborers into the harvest field. But I'm not going to ask. I'm going to beg the church to please, some of you, that you'd say, here I am, send me. That the church would send out laborers. I thank you for your prayers and your support's been kept us going. But... We've been holding a beachhead for 25 years, waiting for God's army to land, and they still haven't landed. We're believing that out of this church, God's going to raise up a battalion that's going to make an impact in the bottom of the globe. I want to close this morning with just one testimony, and I'll be sharing more stories tonight at 5 o'clock, and we'll be able to ask questions, but... One final just testimony is went into a, a village called Maguebi, and we were doing a crusade there for a few days. And the first day, maybe a hundred or more people got saved. Not a big deal. And next day, next day, it got so big that the whole side of the hills were full of people with their blankets and everything. They had walked from neighboring villages across the rivers and hills. And they were all sitting around listening to the message. But after around three days, we had to go on to another, uh, over the Kwaninga River into Kambolo uh, and other places. And, uh, and so I was packing up to leave. And this chief came to me. And he said, 
And he, of course, he's speaking, and all of a sudden, he's wrapped around with his blanket and his walking stick. And he says, see across the valley, see that big tree over there? That's my village. It's called Umtombeni. And it's bigger than Magwebi. We want this Jesus in our village. And I turned to him and I said, uh, it's going to be at least three years before we could even consider it because we have hundreds of villages that have been waiting. We can put you on the list. He goes, no, you don't understand. We need this Jesus now. What you shared with Magwebi, we need it in Mtombeni. And I said, I'm sorry, but we don't have the people to go do it. And uh, we're going north. We're not going to be going, you know, west right now. He just kind of looked at me, and I could see the, the tears washing the dust from his face. And he just turned. He didn't say anything as he walked off. He walked off frustrated because he wanted the same Jesus that was in Maguebi. He wanted it in his village, and he didn't want to have to wait two, three, four years. He wanted it now. He just walked it. I just watched him walk away. And I, too, am very frustrated because I want to reach Umtombeni and all these other villages. But we're doing as much as we can, but we're barely scratching the surface. So as he walked away frustrated, and I live with this frustration, but more than that, my Lord is just frustrated because he died on the cross for that village. He died on the cross for the unreached. And he's frustrated because he wants to reach him and he wants to use us. And we, what are we going to do about it? I, uh, I don't know if the Lord's talking to you, but I would just encourage you to go, send, pray, support, You're all called to be part of reaching the harvest. You're all called. There's no exception. God help you if you do nothing and just blow it off. We're all called. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you that you haven't set us aside. You haven't passed us by. But you're calling us. Lord, And we've wasted so much of our life on ourselves. Help us not to waste the second half of our life on our own little plans and dreams. Where excuses abound, Lord, help us to be purposeful and not waste our lives. Use us, Lord, that this church would be known in heaven and hell for the impact it's making in Africa. They'd be cutting a bigger swath through the harvest field that would be known by you and loved by you for, what, for its faithfulness. I thank you for what you're doing. I pray that you would not give peace to those who you're calling until they yield to what you're calling them to do. Have your way, Lord. Mkosi kakulu jesu. Amen. It's our hope that today's podcast has enriched your life and answered questions you may have had. 
If you'd like more information about what was said in this podcast or about Bay Hills Community Church, you can reach us on the internet at www.bayhills.net. Bay Hills, located in El Sobrante, California, is radically committed to reaching the unchurched in the Bay Area and to developing believers into fully devoted followers of Christ. Thanks again for listening.